Welcome to Heart Church. We believe the gospel has the power to transform your whole life, all your life. We hope that you're ready to hear from God and be impacted by this message. So many, so much wisdom crammed into a few minutes there. Andy, thank you so, so much. Well, we're in our second week of our Behind the Closed Doors, Behind Closed Doors series looking at um, foundations. And I could not be more set up to preach the word today because Rhoda Steele and Pastor Malcolm have told you what to do. So I'm excited. I know some of you have been praying and fasting for me as I've been praying for to speak today, that you've come ready, that you're receptive, that you've come to write notes, right? Yeah, you listen to that. Okay, because I'm, I'm expecting. I was like, this is the best setup ever. And so we're going to dive into this, but I wanted to give us some background to, to where we landed in this series. And we heard about it in heartbeat over the last few weeks. But on Vision Sunday, Pastor Malcolm shared from this verse in Revelation 3, verse 8. Um, it says this, See, I have set before you an open door that no one can shut. Revelation 3, verse 8. And he talked about the fact that this year is going to present us with some new possibilities, some new opportunities that God is making a way, that he is doing some things on our behalf, church. But he also said, in, it, for some of us, if we're going to go through that open door, that we have to pay attention to what goes on behind closed doors. In other words, what goes on in our personal world, what goes on in our personal lives, what goes on in our hearts. And I just want to say to us that God is doing something with this community. He is taking us places we've never been before. He has shown us things we've never seen before. And that's why it's imperative that this series, I believe, no hyperbole, is one of the most significant series that we've ever had. This is, what, this is my own conviction because I believe God is preparing us for something. And so I want us to have open ears and hearts today because God is wanting to speak into your spirits to prepare us for the next level. Jesus says in Luke 14, verse 28 and 31, it won't come up. It says, for which of you desiring to build a tower does not first sit down and count the cost, whether he has enough to complete it. It goes on to say this, or what king goes out to encounter another king, will not sit down first and deliberate whether he's able with 10,000 to meet who comes against him with 20,000. In other words, we, it's, you've got to count the cost. So I feel like it's for us as a community, we've got to count the cost um, about what, what, what it takes to go to the next level. It's no good for us to say, yeah, open door, open door. And when we get there, we're like, oh, we did, we did not know. We were not prepared. No. We need, we need to kind of group, thank you so much, Claire. We need to group together. We need to come around the word of God and say, listen, God, listen, 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 listen. This is what it, it says in Revelation. The spirit of God is speaking to the churches. To those who have ears, let them hear. Let them hear. But it's not just about what's happening about us as a community. It's about what's happening in your marriage, what's happening in your personal life, what's happening in your family. Foundations, order, rhythm, so so essential. So, Father, I thank you that you're here by the power of your spirit, believing that you're going to speak through us. You're going to speak through me, Lord God Almighty. We, we joked about people being ready, but I trust that they are. Lord, I thank you, Father God, that you have something to say, Lord God. And I pray, Lord God, and I pray for myself that I'd have an open heart to receive from you, even as I'm speaking. But I'm believing, Lord God, that you will speak deeply in Jesus' name. Amen. 
I just wanted to say from the, from the outset, just had this um, picture of a seesaw, because, and this seesaw, if we think about one side could be pride, and one side could be fear, I think there could be a temptation, as I'm speaking today, for some of us to fall into those kind of extremes. So as we talk about some challenging stuff that some people or some things that maybe you've been doing that you can go, well, I've got this, I know this. And so we can switch off. Who knows what I'm talking about? It's like, oh, I know where this is going. Or we can split into fear or insecurity, go, oh, I need to be doing more. No, 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 no. Let's, 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 let's avoid those extremes today. Let's listen to the Spirit of God and rather allow ourselves to be encouraged where we need to be encouraged. Thank you, God, I'm on the right path. And yes, be challenged where I need to step my game up. But this is all through the lens of love. Acts 2, verse 42 to 47 says this. And this is the key verse, the key scripture that we've been looking at. And we're going to be looking at it over the next few weeks. It says this. And they devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and the fellowship. That's what we're looking at today. The fellowship. To the breaking of bread and the prayers. It goes on to say this. And we all came upon every soul. And many wonders and signs were being done through the apostles. And all who believed were together and had all things in common. And they were selling their possessions and belongings and distributing the proceeds to all as they had need. And day by day, attending the temple together and breaking bread in their homes, they received their food with glad and generous hearts, praising God and having favor with all the people. And the Lord added to their number day by day those who were being saved. Can we believe for that in Heart Church? So this is a little bit of a background to the book of Acts to kind of locate us today. Acts 1 verse 8, Jesus says to his disciples, you will see power when the Holy Spirit comes upon you and you'll be my witnesses in Jerusalem and all Judea and Samaria and to the end of the earth. And so that happens, amazing. So these apostles, which are made up mainly of Jesus' disciples, the men who followed him around when he was on earth, they go up to the upper room. Who enjoyed the upper room as part of our summer house series? That's where it was taken from. And they are waiting for the Holy Spirit to come. And they're waiting and they're praying and the Holy Spirit descends on them. And it says that above their heads were like tongues of fire. And it just so happened that the day that the Spirit of God came upon these men, that it was a festival called Pentecost, which was a Jewish festival. And people from all around... All around, I think we've got a map here, all around the area of Jerusalem have come. So as we can see here, um, Jerusalem is right at the bottom. And then it says that people have come from Phrygia, Cappadocia, Media, Mesopotamia, Egypt, Libya. All of these different areas, they'd all gathered together to celebrate this Jewish festival. So everybody's around. And then what happens is they begin to hear a sound. And it's amazing because what happens is... All of these people from, that come from all of these different areas begin to hear a, a, a message in their own language. The apostles start speaking, but all these people start hearing it in their own language. They've got no headset translators. It's just the Spirit of God doing what the Spirit of God does. And so they're all amazed, like, what's going on? This is crazy. Some of them say, you've had too much wine. What's going on? And then Peter stands up. He preaches the least seeker-sensitive message I've ever heard. He says, basically, you killed Jesus. And, it's, and, so, and so they're like, ah, they're cut to the heart. They say, what must we do to be saved? He tells them, 
And this is amazing, 3,000 of them get saved and baptized on one day. Phenomenal. So this group, this community, Peter preaches his message, all of these people get saved and baptized, and it's a phenomenal thing that happens. And then we read, almost en masse, no one tells them, Jesus doesn't come down and say, you must do this. It just says, and then after that moment, they devoted themselves to a few things. They began to devote themselves to the apostles' teaching, to the, to the prayers, to communion, to, to the fellowship. En masse, they have this encounter with Jesus, and it leads them to commit and be devoted to a few things. We go on later on in... Um, in the book of Acts. And so this community, this amazing group of communities today, they're in Jerusalem and, and some people like them. They come against some confrontation with some leaders, but all in all, God's doing some great stuff. People are getting saved. And we read that Jesus said to them, go out into all of the world. They don't actually do that until something happens in chapter seven when a man named Stephen stands up and he's persecuted, ends up being killed for his faith. And from that act, all of the disciples are scattered because of persecution. So all those people, they go back out and then they begin to go to places like Jesus said, like Samaria and Judea. And what happens is amazing. People outside of those cultural barriers, those cultural boundaries, they start finding Jesus through this persecution. Interestingly, the book of Acts 7 will talk to us that the Paul, before he was called Paul, he was called Saul. He was a Jewish man, devout man. He was actually in charge of the persecution. He was like overseeing the whole thing. He was persecuting these Jesus followers. And so he was one of the reasons why they actually ended up scattering. But what happens is Paul has a dramatic conversion with Jesus on the Damascus Road. He, his eyes are opened. He then, go, he then becomes, I'm, I'm jumping through a few things here. He becomes convinced that, that Jesus is not just for the Jewish people, but it's for all nations. Amazing thing happens. So then we have the first missions trip that goes off in chapter 11. Apostle Paul, he's going out from this community. Paul is, is sent out. Incredible things are happening. People now who, because Samaria was actually distant cousins, distant relatives of the Israelites. So they were kind of linked. But then the gospel went further than that. People in Rome were getting saved. So people have no background with the Jewish faith. Crazy stuff. It's exciting, but then something happens in Acts 15, which is a really important turning point, not just in the book of Acts, but for Christianity. Because what happened in the book, uh, in Acts chapter 15, is this. Paul's preaching, and it's going well, but some Jewish people who grew up, they found Jesus, the Jewish Messiah, but they're not liking the fact that these people are now getting saved, but they're not, they're not living according to the Jewish customs. They start saying, hey, listen, if these guys are going to be Jesus followers, if they're going to be part of our thing, that they, they're, going to, like, they're going to need to do the sacrifices, they're going to need to do the feasts, guys need to be circumcised, we have to be circumcised, they should be circumcised. You know, so they're saying all of this, Paul's like, I'm not really feeling it, they call a big meeting in Acts 15, and where they discuss it, Paul discusses this issue with the leaders and the elders and say, let's have this out, what do you think? For time, I'll just say, basically what happens is, the leadership at the time just said, you know what, Acts 15 verse 19, if you can put that up, says this, it, it's my judgment, therefore, that we should not make it difficult for the Gentiles who are turning to God. Just leave that scripture up for me for a few moments. We should not make it difficult for the Gentiles who are turning to God. So what happens is they just basically say, hey, listen, don't be immoral and watch out for certain foods that you eat around Jewish people because that's a big deal to them. Right. Jobs are good in. Wow. They send a letter, they're all buzzing, and then the gospel begins to spread even more. And that's the reason why we're here today, because they made that decision. 
I say that because when we're talking about fellowship, it's really, and maybe this will help you understand Heart Church, we are an Acts 15, 19 kind of church. We look at the traditions that come across with, and we, kind of, we, we assess, is this relevant for today? What is the truth about that needs to carry on? Is there some things that are going to make it difficult for people who want to turn to God? And so it's a difficult tension, and I get it. And it must have been a, I don't think we understand the gravity of that verse, by the way. That was a massive, massive, significant seismic shift for the Jewish believers to kind of go, what? This, this Jewish Messiah is for everybody? Massive. But when we're talking about fellowship, I want you to have this in our minds today because it's not just for us, but it's also for those who are outside. And I want us to recognize, we can look at the magnitude I share that not just for background, which is helpful, and we can go on and talk about the rest of the book of Acts, but I, I, I wanted to share it because, I, and if we could just put that picture up of the people being baptized, I wanted to share it because I wanted to think about the magnitude of what happened because a group of people devoted themselves to some very simple things. The gospel went out all over, all places that it shouldn't go because a group of people got together and they devoted themselves to the fellowship. They said, I'm in. They said, you can have this stuff. And from that base, the gospel can go out. And church, I want to say to us, this is why this foundation series is so, so important. We can talk about our big dreams. We can talk about all of this stuff. But if we don't, as Pastor Malcolm said, strengthen our core, strengthen our fellowship, we can't, we, can't, we can't do what we're supposed to do. We can say, yeah, we're going to go where no one else wants to go. And yeah, we're going to take, take this place for Jesus. We're going to go into the counselor stage. Yeah, we're going to do all of that stuff. And, oh, yeah, and then, and then we're going to go to 10 cities. And, and we've got big biceps, but we've got no core to sustain it. This is what this series is about. It's about is strengthening our leaning, strengthening, assessing God. Where do I need to step up? What are you asking of me. This was an exclusive, inclusive community. <laughs> they were radically exclusive and radically inclusive. They were radically exclusive because they were set apart. They weren't playing games. They devoted themselves to something. They were living to a standard. They were believing God. They shared everything they had, but they were radically inclusive. It says that all the time people were being added to us. See, I, I don't believe that being a community who welcomes people in means that we all water our level of Christianity down. That is true. I believe we're meant to be red hot for God. I believe, I love it, it says, they, some of them, this is what it says in Acts, it says, they saw what, this fellowship and some of them were scared to join them. Yeah. It's almost like, this is full on, but then people are at it all the time. I believe that's what we're called to be as a church. It's like, you know, these guys like, seem really, really like, they, they, like, they really believe in Jesus. I mean, they're great, they, they, but I, I, and they seem really like focused and they seem really diligent and focused and pursuing the call of God upon their life, but they also seem really welcoming. Ah, I believe we're called to be the same. So I want us to look today, we're going to look today at this word fellowship. Fellowship, many of you who've been around church life would have heard this comes from a Greek word called koinonia. And koinonia is, um, is, it's got different um, connotations to it, but it basically means sharing, it means to partner, it means partnership, it means to have in common. So in other words, they committed themselves, they have this experience with Jesus, and then they ki- commit themselves to partnering with each other. They commit themselves to doing life with one another, to sharing with each other, 
to communing with each other. They met in temples, but they met in homes. They devoted themselves to a life of God that expressed itself in community. They had an experience in salvation, and then they decided this was the next step, that they share their lives with each other. And it's a very natural thing, I believe, that, that, that happens when we meet Jesus. Something happens in us or should for other people. And I love what Jesus says. He says, he doesn't say, um, by your powerful evangelism, everyone will know that you're my disciples. By your excellent production values of church services, that everyone will know you're my disciples. No, it says, everyone will know. You won't even have to say, everyone will know that you're my disciples by the way that you love each other. And this was the experience of the Carthaginians in the second century who were, were really, really far from God. But they looked at those early disciples and they said this, see how they love one another. That was the way that they realized that these were Jesus followers. So we can talk about reaching a city and taking nation, and that's all good. But you know what? One of the main components is, is the way that we love one another. That is going to be something that is going to be on display for everyone to see. Fellowship is the part of the way I grow and become like Jesus. Fellowship is about what others can speak and encourage and challenge me and I can do for other people, like Andy so beautifully said. Fellowship is about me bringing what I have, my gifts to the table for the benefit of others and for you doing the same. I am only stood on this platform because of fellowship. I'm only stood here because I've committed myself to doing life and being real and being open here. I could not get here by myself. I I am here as a testimony to this community who have helped raise me to become the man of God. There I said it, that I am. And I want to say to you this, I want to say to you this, I I want to bring it right back down and we're going to look at something that's right under our noses because I want us to um, look at what fellowship looks like in 2017 for Heart Church. And it simply looks like this. All we've done is taken this pattern, this model of the early church, and we've taken it and put it in language for us today. This is part of our purpose. Family is foundational. Family is who we are and what we do. A place of love, acceptance, privilege, and responsibility. We are a family committed to help one another pursue God's best. I love that. This is, what is that? That is fellowship. That is me taking, we're a family. And we're a family that loves and accepts people. We are. And I want to say, you know, whenever we cast vision, and I've used this illustration before, sometimes it's like climbing a mountain, you've got a climbing hook, and this is where you want to go, so you throw your hook up there, and then you try and work out, right, how am I going to get up there? This is what this booklet is like. So if you find yourself here and go, well, I don't think there's certain pockets that are loving and accepting, this is what the series is about. Because all we're doing is chuck this up and say, this is what this community needs to grow in. You don't write something down and say, today we've arrived. No, it doesn't work like that. It takes each one of us to say, I'm going to devote myself to be the kind of community that is loving and accepting. That's how church is built. It's built upon personal people taking responsibility and they have privileges. But we are a family committed to help one another pursue God's best. So we're not just here to just like have shoulder massages, although I'd quite like one, that'd be awesome. <laughs> and, to, and we will drink tea and we will eat cake. But you know what? We are 
we're pursuing God's best for our lives. So there's going to be a level of, of challenge and there's going to be a level of iron sharpening iron and it may not always be comfortable. And we, I love, I was reminded about what Mark Ritchie spoke when he was at KMC about provoking one another to greatness. I am um, my friend, one of my best friends, Rob Steele, he provoked me to greatness. Um, I didn't really appreciate it at the time. I wasn't ready for it at the time, but it helped me and pushed me out of my comfort zone. That's what family does. So this is the kind of community that we're building. And we see this all the way through the New Testament, what, what this koinonia looks like. And we see, if you can just throw that up, 1 Thessalonians, it says, encourage one another. It also says, admonish one another in Colossians 3 verse 16. It says, confess your sins to one another. It says, forgive one another, accept one another. Do you know what admonish means? Admonish means to challenge one another. It's like, hey, listen, there's an edge to this. There was an edge to the early church. There was an edge to uh, the church of Jesus Christ. We need to encourage. This is what Cornelia looks like. Admonish, challenge, confess your sins to one another. I could preach just on that. I am so passionate about that verse. It says this, if you confess your sins to, to God, you, you're forgiven. But there's something that happens when you confess it to somebody else. It says you're healed. So there's a healing process that goes on. It's forgive one another. Forgive one another. I'm going to talk about that in a few moments. Accept one another. Serve one another. Build up one another. Be hospitable to one another. This is what fellowship looks like in action. You know, when you, some of you don't know this, but, you know, I am your brother in Christ. I'm sorry about that, but it's just the way that it is. You made a decision to follow Jesus and... I'm part of the deal. <laughs> when I married Naomi, I didn't just marry Naomi. I, I, I also, hey, I also inherited her family. Right. God help me. And she also inherited my family. God help her. And so what happens now is that I was committed to Naomi, but my decision to marry Naomi affected my relationship with people that I didn't know. Your decision to follow Jesus affects your relationship with people that you don't know. He's put you in this community to admonish them, to encourage one of them, to build them up. And I want to go into, Claire, um, I hope you've got those, just, and I want to look at our pattern. When I was asked to do this, which is a massive privilege to talk on fellowship, I've been thinking about our pattern as a church. And if you're new to our church, we've got a little booklet which talks about our purpose, our plan, our pattern, and... Um, and, and this is basically who and how we want to operate. And our pattern says we're involved, we regularly attend on a Sunday, we invest, we invite, and we include. And, and I'm going to take the, the rest of the time just to walk us through these things. I'm so excited about these four things. They can seem so simple, but I've been thinking about them for the last couple of months and thinking, wow, if, we, if our church did this, if I did this, we would be a phenomenal community. We would be an amazing community. I could have courage and faith as a leader in this church. No, we can, we can do anything because this is the kind of community. So we're going to talk through those. But before we do these, I want to talk about four different eyes. I want to talk about four enemies of fellowship. I've kind of got like the enemies version of that because the devil hates fellowship. He hates believers being in together. He knows, he knows 
that when believers come together in one accord in unity, the anointing flows like never before. So he hates it. And I've been around church long enough and Andy alluded to it. You know, he will, he will take the opportunity to mess you up. You know, a lot of people don't fall out with Jesus. They fall out with fellowship. If I said to someone, do you believe in Jesus? Yeah, I've got no problem with Jesus. It's just that I had an issue. So four things that I think the enemy would want to come and whisper to us. See, the enemy would want to come and whisper, and uh, an enemy of of fellowship is individualism. Individualism says this, you don't need them. (laughs) You don't need them. Individualism is the habit or principle of being independent and self-reliant. Now listen, if you are independent by nature and stuff like that, that's, that's, that's all right to a point. But this is what it says in 1 Corinthians 12. It won't come up in the message. We each used to independently call our own shots, but then we entered into a large and integrating life in which Jesus has the final say in everything. So I have to, I, and I, 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 I left to myself many years ago. I, am, I naturally can be someone who can say, I'm okay by myself, which is really funny because I haven't got, the skill set to be okay by myself <laughs> in the natural. Like, I don't even know why that crept in, but I can be someone who can just be like, oh, no, I'm good. I don't need anyone. And I, it took me a long time to open myself up to other people. And that's what the enemy wants you to be sitting here going, no, I'm, you're good. Right. No, I'm good. I've, I've got my people. I'm fine. I'm fine. I'm fine. I made it far. This, no, no, but if we want to go to the next level, maybe we need to let go of that for the joy of real community. Secondly, the enemy would, would kind of, another enemy of, uh, of community is when you've been insulted, <laughs> when you've been offended, yeah, yeah, yeah. the spirit of offense. I don't like giving the devil props, but I'm sorry on this one, offense just works. It's like, right. takes, it, takes people down all the time. It's like, what's offense? Offense is when, I love this, it's annoyance or resentment brought about by perceived insult to or disregard for oneself. If you have been around for church for a minute, and I'm so sorry if some of you have just got saved, you've, church is the best thing ever. You're like, this is incredible. You're like, this is, Jesus said you will get offended. He promised it. He equipped it about what to do about when we get offended, but, but we will be offended. I, I've, I've spoken to people years after, years after something's happened, and they struggle to get connected into community. They struggle to fellowship and they're carrying the burdens and it breaks my heart, but I understand how easily it could happen. Wayne, I don't know how many issues you've had to deal with because people are working through offense. I was in a conversation recently and Nay and I, and someone said something about someone, something that someone else did to that person and I was offended on their behalf. That's how powerful offensive if you don't deal with it. It's like, well, I'm going to go and talk to them. So I, I love my mum's phrase. I'm going to tell them about themselves. You know, I felt like telling them about themselves. I was offended. How dare they? Until you realize that I'm a sinner in need of grace and Jesus forgave me. I don't want to spend a long time here because I'm passionate about this subject. Matthew 18, verse 15. Church, please, even if you haven't making notes, Please, just just humor me. Write this down. Say it out loud. If we're going to be a community that builds our foundations, we need to know the principles of what to happen when you get offended. When you get offended. You know, it's going to happen. I probably offended you. And and I'm sorry. I didn't mean to. I'm sure. But we're going to offend each other because that's life. But Matthew 18, 
verse 15 says this, if your brother or sister sins, go and point out their fault just between the two of you. Just, just you two. You, you don't need to tell everybody and get everybody's opinion so everyone's offended and a whole group of people turn up, Bob. But you know what I'm saying? It's like, we're here to talk to you about what you did. No, 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 no. What happens is when someone offends me, I, I'm like, oh, listen. I, I, and it's always awkward. It's always awkward. Oh, hey. Hey. Hey, yeah, it's just that when you said that, it just made me feel like this. And uh, I'm really sorry. And uh, I just felt like you've been ignoring me recently. And deal with it. I'm so sorry. What? Or there's maybe a re- reaction and you deal with it. Pray. This is not a neutral issue. It's a spiritual issue. And when we talk about communion, we'll see just how spiritual it is. We need to, we need to, be, we need to guard our, our unity. Thirdly, the enemy would want to make you feel insecure. They don't like you. He wants to make you feel isolated or excluded. Maybe you've tried to connect with fellowship and you're not getting that vibe. It's a lie from the enemy. And this fourth one, I can't tell you how many times this has happened. The enemy just wants to feed you inaccurate information. I heard someone say, they don't, they don't need you. <laughs> they don't need you. I've heard that said, they, they, they don't need you. But this is what the Bible says. The Bible says that, that I cannot say to the hand, I have no need of you, nor again their head to the feet, I have no, no need of you. In other words, Jesus, um, the Apostle Paul, he's writing and saying, the church is like a body, and it's made up of different parts. And if you're not playing your part, another part is working, overcompensating on your behalf. You are needed. I heard someone say, but it's got loads of team. Oh, they, 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 I don't need, just taking that as an example, I don't need to serve. Every, no, no, we're probably overworking in a few areas. And we can't actually go to the next level because you're not stepping up and doing what you're... Is this making sense? You're not, you're not sharing. You're not participating. It's a lie from the enemy. Not focusing on him today, but I want to equip us for some things that will come and maybe test us. I don't need them. Oh, no, no. All this stuff. I don't know if we can have the, uh, the pattern with the scriptures up. That'd be amazing. But this is what we, this is what we believe, our heart church. And we don't have... That's cool, you can take that down, that's fine. We, we don't have um, a formal membership that we say, oh, in July 2016, you signed up to be a Heart Church member and adhere to all these things. We, we don't have that. Other places do that. I can see the merit in that and there's wisdom in that and there's wisdom of not having it. All of that stuff is, is, is irrelevant. We just believe they devoted themselves. They devoted themselves. They, and if you're a member of our church, then we will know because you devote yourself. We can't, we, I mean, you sign a piece of paper, cool and everything, but that doesn't really mean anything. It's a heart thing. And that's really the spirit that we want to communicate. That's true. You know, so let's talk about these four things. Involve. Involve. Regularly attending Sunday life groups, heart and soul, and prayer. Regularly attending I'm just, um, the older I get, the sexier, there I said it, church on Sunday, the sexier faithfulness becomes to me. Not giftedness, just people that regularly show up, consistent, pillars in the house, countable. I want to say to us, there's something that happens when we 
that I don't think we, we, I think we underestimate the power of coming and sitting and listening to the anointed word of God week in, week out, changing our mindsets. It's, it's hard to quantify the difference it makes, but I know that there's power in it. Just involve regularly attending. And then going beyond just a Sunday, because maybe some of you, you come and you tick off your Sunday box, but that's not fellowship in its own. It's then connecting. It's connecting with a life group, connecting with community. And we're so passionate about this because we're a family and we want you to feel connected. We want you to take what you've heard on a Sunday and see it outworked in your life. And Andy Stanley, he overemphasizes the point, I think a little bit, but I like it, a great church leader in America. He says, life change doesn't happen in rows. It happens in circles. In other words, this can be great and we can hear the words, but it circles, in other words, community, it's when it's outworked, it's in when I'm discussing it, it's when I'm, we're talking about it and we're planting the word in our hearts. I want to say to us about heart and soul. Heart and soul is a chance where we come together, those who of us are saying we're in this together and we see behind the scenes almost. And this is where we come family and we share What is it, family? Privilege and responsibility. We share the burden of responsibility of where we are as a church, where we are with ministries, where we are with finances, where we are with buildings, where we are as a life of the community. And when we we turn up, we're saying, we're not here just to receive, but we're here to support. We're here to participate, Cornonia, to share and lend our strength to see the kingdom of God come through his conduit, which is a local church. So heart and soul isn't an unspiritual meeting. It's a very spiritual, powerful meeting. It's what, it's what enables us to be able to go to the other levels and see God's kingdom come. So we need to prioritize it. And if we are not coming together to pray, what are we doing? This is not a guilt trip here, but we are the church. Hello, the world needs our prayers. Another earthquake, another disaster, and we can't show up to a prayer meeting? What? What are we talking about? We don't even have that many. Don't... Don't, don't worry about the seesaw. Remember grace, grace, and courage, courage. But invest, sowing our tithe, time, and talents to serve and build church. I don't just, I'm not just involved. I give of myself. The disciples, they shared everything that they had for the sake of other people. They lent their strength. They gave their resources. They gave of their money. I don't know if you've, ever, as a parent, you've ever said, um, you know, the, the dishwashers, you know, the dish, dishes don't wash themselves. Or the bed doesn't make itself. And I feel like it could be like that in church, you know, sometimes. The drinks don't pour themselves, or the chairs don't settle themselves, or the, the staff and the resources come from what? People who are lending their strength to building what God said he will build, which is church. And I just wanted to, and, and they're going to hate this, but I, but I just wanted to really um, honor Dave and Lynn Bignall. Because when I, when I, the whole time when I was thinking about fellowship and this whole idea of church, I couldn't get away from Dave and Lynn, who sit over here. Dave's normally got a baby in his hands. And um, these, this couple for me and Naomi have been an embodiment of what fellowship looks like. They're not paid on staff. They're not our life group leaders. And they've not just done this for me. They've done it for many people where they've encouraged, they've admonished, they've looked us in our eyes. They've been, we've, we've been able to open up our lives to them. And I point them out because no one sees that. But that's what involved in investing looks like. It's the behind the scenes. They're just taking up their position and saying, I am going to be the church. Fellowship happens when you realize that I am the church. 
I'm not taking my cues from a structure or being seen. I'm using what God's placed on my heart. They've been open to the Spirit of God and said, I'm going to invest in that, in that person. I want to say this, and you know, maybe because some of us <laughs> talk about life groups and communities. Some of you have been through every iteration of life groups that's ever existed. I mean, you know, like, it's like you've been through home groups, you've been through house groups, you've been through cell groups, you've been through community groups, you've been through fellowship groups. It's like, what are we calling it these days? And maybe you've come through those, um, those structures and maybe now you're at a place, you've been around and you've, you, you not, don't fit into that structure and you've got your friendship groups because that structure served you for a season. And, but maybe it's time for you to take what you've learned and maybe for the sake of somebody else, open up your hearts and lives again. Just a challenge to, for us to think about together. Invite. Always ready to invite people to heart church. Do you know what? Um, it says about people being added daily. I, I love the first two, um, the first two of our, of our pattern, they're kind of like involving, it says, it says contributing, but the, the other two is really about the posture of our heart. Right. It's this, these second two, and maybe, maybe some of us that we, we're better in the involved and I'm better in investing, I've got that, but maybe the inviting and the including, maybe that's where we need to grow. Or maybe conversely, maybe you're inviting and including is good, but maybe you need to be involved in and invest. But this, is the, this is the posture of our heart. You know, and let me just help us today because we are a 99-1 kind of church. A 99-1 kind of church. What do I mean? Jesus said this. He told this parable and it's explained the heart of God. And, and the heart of God was to he, he was told through this shepherd story, where basically this shepherd left the 99 to look after the one. And I sometimes think about, you know, if I'm, that's great to, to preach and to hear about it in the Bible, but if you're the 99 and you, you, where's my shepherd? He's, he's gone off and he's, 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 off, he's off after the one again. He's off after the one who's not included again. He's, one after, he's, after, he's after that one that's wandered off. And that's a tension for us because that means our preferences as a church means that we're going to look after the 99, but we're also going to leave some things and it, for the sake of the one. We're going to have that kind of angle. So for us, inviting people to church is going to mean that there's always going to be a stream of people who don't know the words, who don't know what's going on. They don't know what's going on. And, and, and it's going to be something that we are going to have to live with because we believe that's the heart of God. We believe that it's always so passionate about being in community, and I've got to be disciplined because there's so many things that I could say about that. The posture of our heart, and this is really natural. Listen, we, know we should always be ready to share our faith, of course, and tell people about Jesus, but you know what? Um, a real easy way for, that we believe is just invite people to this community. Invite people to church. Just invite people, hey, come along. You will love our church. And always being ready, whether it's at work or whether you're playing football, whether it's in a restaurant, just saying, here's Heart Church. What's so great about our church? The media team's so brilliant. I was sharing someone who's around my house, this little video, you know, like on the phone, like, watch this. Look, no, we're amazing. You know, all of that stuff. And, and, and just be open. It's a spirit of saying we're always ready. We're always on the watch out that this world needs Jesus. And we're ready to invite people into our world and include, fourthly include. Always looking to connect, welcome, and include others. Well, I'm so passionate about this one. I'm so challenged about this one. I know Heart Church, 
is heart church. When the person sitting over here, um, the person sitting over here in this row, not without a, without a badge on, is just looking around to connect. Oh, that person's new. I'm going to say hello. Because we all sit in the same places, right? So we roughly know who... Sorry, Dave, I'm messing up with your mic. I know, I didn't tell you. Heart Church is, 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 is in these rows taking responsibility for each other. And I want to say something very... And, I, and I, I, I'm, this is not a telling off moment, but I, just, I do want to say this. Because when we say, everyone stand up, adventure kids, tiki, blah, blah, blah. Everyone turn around and say hello to each other. We're not filling time. We're taking the opportunity to connect as family. We're very intentional about the running order. What are we doing in our own way? We could say this is a time of fellowship. It's just, we just say connect. But really, it's cornonia. It's a moment in the service for me to get over myself and to look around and invite someone into my world. Some of us, we, we diminish it because we don't think it's spiritual. <laughs> but you, you've, never been, you've never had a bad day at church and think, I wish someone would just connect with me. Some of us would never, would never sit down and worship, we would sit down and connect. But I want to say to you, there's something very powerful when, I say, when, I, when I'm just here and I'm taking responsibility and this person, I've had a little conversation and I say, hey, let me just take you to the hello point. And I drag them like this and I say, hey, now some of us, we, we think, again, Lawrence, be disciplined. We, I, I take this person to the hello point and... Maybe this person here, this person here, maybe they're about to go and join Alpha. And, and my connection of the, with them is the difference between them hearing something in the heartbeat that went over their heads and their salvation. Or maybe I tell them about their teenager getting connected to Tech TO. And that person comes along and their lukewarm faith becomes red hot and they become a future leader in our church. Or maybe somebody fills in a connect card and they begin to serve and find out the gifts and have something called out of them more than we had before. Listen, this is not the mechanics of church. This is fellowship. This is, this is a spiritual part of our service. This is a part of our church growing and becoming more like Jesus Christ. And we, we, we diminish what church is if we undermine. It's just a life group. It's just a bit in the service. It isn't. It depends on your heart. And I love this because it says always looking to connect, welcome, and include others. Listen, some people need to be included in your world. Some people you just need to connect with somebody else. But we should all be welcoming. We should all be welcoming. And I want to encourage us. This is our foundation series and time has gone. Because we've been looking at, at me for a long time on this stage, but I feel like it's time to look at you. It's time for us to look at you and say, listen, you are the church. You are the people. You are the core ones of God. And we are looking to you to say, will you devote yourself to the fellowship? Will you commit yourself at another level to be somebody who's going to be involved? I'm going to prioritize this thing. I, I am going to invest. I am going to be someone who invites. I am going to be someone who includes. No, I, I'm in. And I'm just so excited about the scale of what can happen, just like the early church, about a group of people who just commit themselves to a bunch of real simple things. But the fruit of that 
make the evangelization of the whole world. Can we stand together? Father, I want to thank you for the power of fellowship. I want to thank you for the power of what happens when individuals say, I'm in. Lord, this is a work of your spirit, just like it was in Acts 2. I can preach, I can do my best, but ultimately, God, it's your spirit working in our hearts, Lord God. But we're making a decision to say, I'm going to build my life upon Jesus. We're going to sing in this church, and we're going to sing and make a decision that we are not living for ourselves, that we are giving ourselves for something that's far bigger than us, the cause of Jesus Christ. And we are not just going to come and attend, but we're going to build our lives, and we're going to give our lives away for the sake of others. You've come to the end of this message. We hope you've been both challenged and inspired. To stay up to date with everything going on in our church, go to heartchurch.co.uk.